In this episode of Novel Predictions, Kales and Allison get a little philosophical. There's like, there's balance, but then there's books like The Magicians, where we're we'll, just like, we'll never see we'll, eye we'll eye. never see eye to eye. And so I think you're right that our predictions do cloud this, but I think that's why this still works. Yeah. Welcome back to Novel Predictions. I'm Allison, and this month I reread On the Edge. And I'm Kales, and I read it for the first time. Yay! Yeah. Except for Kales is not yay. I don't... <sighs> this is going to be a really interesting discussion, I think, because I am just sorely disappointed by this book, and Allison keeps claiming that I just am completely wrong about it. And <laughs> No. Yes. I disagree with you. I didn't say you're wrong. I said that I don't agree with you. This is a I four think I star have a book text message me. that says I was wrong. I'm like 99% sure I have a text message leading up to this recording session that says you're wrong. <laughs> or something close to. Maybe. We'll That's see. okay. Um, for those of you who are just joining us, welcome. We're so excited to have you guys listening. Thank you so much for uh, subscribing. Uh, thank you for downloading. We really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate you following us on all of our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram at Novel Prediction. And we really su- are grateful for all of those reviews that you leave us, those five-star reviews that help all of the algorithms and stuff that get people to notice us. And um, we're just really grateful. So thank you guys for continuing to listen and for being so supportive. We're just really, really grateful to not be shouting into the void. Don't get me wrong. I love Allison and I'm happy to hang out with her and do this because we were doing this when nobody listened. <laughs> yeah. Really, but, truly nobody. Yeah. Really, truly nobody. And like, I couldn't even get my boyfriend to download it and he's like oh, no. obligated to support me because he loves me. I, yeah, no, but now it's really exciting and really super cool that we've got followers and supporters and thank you guys. And if you have recently joined us, um, welcome. And if you left us a review, don't forget to DM us that review and I'll send you some Novel Prediction swag. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's still happening all the time. You can do that anytime. It's some really cool swag. I have a sticker on my laptop. Yeah. And we have cute bookmarks. We do have really cute bookmarks. We do novel predictions around here, which is where one of us makes the other one read a book that they've never read before. And we read the first five or so chapters, a good like fifth of the book. Yeah, it's usually between 15 and 20 percent. Yeah. And then we have to make predictions on what we think the what's going to happen in the rest of the book. And then we do a review episode after finishing it, which is this episode, and basically make fun of the person who completely fucked up on their predictions and then review the book. That's how that goes. So this one's going to be interesting, though. Yeah. Because, Kales, what did you rate this book on Goodreads? I gave it a two out of five because I was really disappointed in it. It just, like, continued to suck. After a certain point, and I mentioned it in my review, I just was done. I was like, I don't care anymore. And I just was like, I don't give five fucks. And I was slowly but surely just, I was just done. And it made me sad because I really liked it at the beginning. If you go back and listen to the episode... We have a listener, Kelsey, who was making fun of me on Twitter because of how much I liked the book at the beginning, which is true. And then I just kept reading it and I was like, this is not, this is not great. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And so I was rereading this book, obviously. I liked it when I read it the first time. I still like it a lot this time. I gave it the exact same rating. I gave it four stars on Goodreads. I tried so hard to keep an open mind because the last time I had a book, you were like, you're so picky. And I'm like, no, I really, I really, I did. I liked it at the beginning. And then I just was reading this and I was like, I just don't care anymore. Like, I don't care. And maybe that's because I invested too much in the little boys. Because to me, they were the best fucking part of the entire book. Yeah, but they're a huge part of it. Yes, but still, I don't know. I guess I just didn't care about Rose and Declan, and I still think Declan's a scumbag. Kind of. I don't know. I just don't like him. And the whole thing with William is stupid, and the whole thing with the evil uncle is stupider, and the whole ending is even worse. No, it's great. No. (laughs) It's a great book. No. 
we just kind of got your final impressions. No, I just. But but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You are well, welcome to your opinion, my friend. I know, but I want to like your books that you pick. I, I didn't feel tortured by this one. I think I just was disappointed the whole time. I was just really disappointed. And it's maybe because I firmly believe that the one of us that this with this with this experiment, the one of us that like predicts the book comes up with like how we want the book to go. And then we get really upset when it's not that way. Yeah. So we tend to dislike it more than I think we would have if we read it on our own. Yeah, it's definitely an experiment in torture. Yeah. And and I I still don't know if I would have liked this book if I had read it on my own because I didn't like the last Alana Andrew one that I read on my own. But I just, I was so disappointed in this one. I was just like, oh, God, it's lame now. Oh, my God. Okay, so. Why did you make me read this book? And why how was it rereading it for you? Okay, so I made you read this book because I really like this book. Um, it's a different, a distinctly, in my opinion, different um, setting and tone for a paranormal romance type book i will agree with you there that the setting is really cool and we can talk more about that yeah so the world is really interesting because it's like this this place between the weird where there's magic and the broken which is like our world um and these people who are living in systematic terrible poverty and the community that that builds and all of these things because they live between the two worlds so i thought that was a really cool setting i still think it's a really cool setting I absolutely adore the grandmother. I absolutely adore the little boys, George and Jack. Um, I how he goes by George. I know. He was I like, definitely. please call me George. Please call me George. She only fucks up twice. Yeah. I think grandma is the one that calls him Georgie more than Yeah, but after. Rose does fuck up in her like internal dialogue oh, twice. Oh, yeah. Because I counted it. Because I was like, oh, Dana, you're not listening to him. <laughs> I got really snappy at her in the car. <laughs> Um, I think that Rose is an interesting heroine. I can, I can see how Declan is the least interesting of the lot. Yes. Um, but I also think that this book, as much as it is, as it is like a romance, it's also really about this like family and these, these edgers that live off this weird chunk of land that nobody wants. Which I... I completely agree with. I that's why I think I loved it so much at the beginning was this really unique setting yeah. with these weird powers and like it also just kept surprising me things I didn't think about like the birth certificates and yeah. the you know green cards and immigration things and fucking electricity like when when the when the the border expanded ever so slightly. We finally got electricity. And I'm like, fuck, how does plumbing work down there? Like, you know, just I didn't think about it that way. And it's a really interesting examination, I think, on classism, which yeah. is not always addressed in. Um, it's often summarily ignored. Yes. In romance. Like, it's like a trope that like poor, like there's a poor person and a rich person that are going to fall in love and they're going to assuage all expectations or whatever. But it's never addressed as like, this is a thing. This is how people live. It's not wrong or whatever. Like, it's not a something that people need to be rescued from necessarily. Right. So, yeah, I think that you're right that it was really interesting classism. Yeah. And I think the way that it was described was really cool. And I thought the sort of clicky territorial nature of all the groups was really interesting um i thought the system of government that they had created within their own of the council and stuff was also kind of interesting um but i didn't care about it i cared about the core little group of people mm -hmm. being rose the grandma the boys and Declan by default so when we started getting to the council and there was this long expositional thing about two-thirds of the way through about Declan and the bad guy. And I just was like, I don't care anymore. Can we defeat him? Like, can we just move on? Because I didn't need an explanation. I didn't need a historical thing. And then it was weird because it got a little steampunky of like, we stole this machine that can like create these demons. And I was like, wait, I thought we were all about magic in here. And now there's like a machine that bends the... It was just interesting. And I just was... I didn't care. I was just like, I'm done. Can we just go defeat him now? And then the whole thing with William was kind of sad. And, like, Rose and William's awkward conversation on the porch about how, like, I don't like you, but we can be friends. And it was just like, why do we need this? 
I would have much preferred if he'd been evil, but it's fine. Well, so the next book is about William. Oh. And somebody, I forget. Not somebody from East Laporte, Laporte or whatever, wherever they are. Okay. Um, Somewhere else. But he's the romantic lead in the next book. Interesting. So they were like setting up him being all damaged. I'm not, this is not an excuse, but I'm telling you, they were setting him up being all damaged right. in this book and then, yeah, you know, coming through it in the next one. Yeah. I also thought it was stupid. Again, it was 10 years ago, but it also was really annoying that like the two men had to fight it out. And I was like, that's really like super masculine and unnecessary anymore, but okay. Yeah. But like I, when they all, I don't know. When they like had the physical fight. Yeah. But I also think it was like. The idea that they were like military buddies and like, especially because William is portrayed as this super broken person who doesn't like know how to be and how to talk through things, which I will say is something that was stark to me in this reading that I don't think I got in the last one was at the beginning of the book, William is like normal. Yeah. Like he's, he's eloquent. And not like he talks like a normal person. He doesn't seem to have any hangups. He's buying things. And then at the end of the book, I distinctly remember them when he's talking to Rose or maybe it's he's talking to Jack. But he says something like, I own nothing. I stole the clothes I'm wearing. It's Rose. Yeah. And I'm like, but you just bought these boys toys. Like, I don't. That was a disconnect for me where I was like, this is very confusing that William has all of a sudden become like feral. Yeah. When he wasn't. Oh, I completely agree. Before. Yeah. I I don't think I picked up on that so eloquently as you just put it, but I totally understand more where my confusion came from because I was like, wait, is this the same William? Yeah. It didn't seem like the same person. Yeah. Although I will say that scene with him and Jack, with Jack going to get him chocolate and telling him to breathe and that he was safe was the best thing ever and then the thing with Georgie and him having to watch the like internet fountain over and over again was also the best and how they watched over him and how Jack wants to be a hunter and so like that was the part where I appreciated Declan and I appreciated the boys and really just fell in love with them but I still was not a Declan fan I still feel like he lied to her too many times that's just me though well, I think that he, yeah, I mean, I get, I get that. I think, I think that for me, he like, he is good and kind enough and like, so that actually, okay, hold on. This is a lot like Sense and Sensibility, except for I'm on the other side of the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Because you have this whole fucking thing about Sense and Sensibility where you're saying, oh, well, Jane Austen's whole thing is that actions speak louder than words. And yes, of course they lied to them the whole time, but it's okay because actions speak louder than words. And now we are in exact flipped positions on this book. Okay. Do you see it? Yes. Please acknowledge it. Yes, I see it. Okay. I acknowledge it and I'm squinting in anger, but okay. I, yes, I see it. And I see the actions speaking louder than words. I think, you know, honestly, I think what I'm most upset about is the whole, I just, I'm upset with how they met and his explanation for how they met. Yeah, when he says, I just let you assume what you were already assuming. Yeah, I was not about that. I think I was struggling a lot with that. And I got very hung up on this idea of you really in that moment thought you had no other fucking choice than to, like, trick this woman into marrying you. I think that's where I was, like, really hung up on it. Like, you couldn't have used her wor- your words and, like, figured out another. I don't know. I just I still feel like she felt chained to the relationship somehow. And that was hard for me. As someone who hates, like, being trapped and not having choices, like, I feel like that Rose was still somehow tricked into this. And that's great that he ended up being a really good guy and helping her brothers and helping her town and, you know, having that story. That's fine. But that initial thought in his head of, like, this is what I'm going to do, that choice he made is really hard for me. Um, And I think that's why I didn't like him. And then I felt like when they finally were together and everything was good and we're going to move to the castle... And then he, like, kind of tricks her again. Oh, yeah, like, secretly you're, like, a duchess queen person now. That was hard for me. Like, just this kind of 
it wasn't still exactly what it seemed. And that was hard for me as, as a female, as a, as a, a woman who, I don't know, I just, that was hard for me. I can understand his actions. Again, I said it, what he did for Jack and what he did for Georgie was awesome and amazing. And he's, you know, and how he saved the town and how he ended up saving her at the end when she like, she was giving herself and how he cried over it. Like, those are all wonderful things. Those two choices of not really completely telling her why he was there, I still sit wrong with me. So does but that make sense? It does make sense. But I also think that that's part of the plot is that she also doesn't trust her feelings and her self in the relationship immediately, which is why at the end she says, we're going with you. And when, if we still want to be together after 30 days and you introduce me to your family and like all these things happen, like she gives herself an out and him an out, which I think is is why I am okay with those. Because I don't think, for me personally, I don't think that his intention was, oh, I see an opening here. So, yes, I'm going to trick her into marrying me. I think what I see it as is he says, oh, I see an opening here for me to establish myself in this town and try to figure out what the fuck's going on. And I'm going to like, I'm going to pretend it's about this, but it's not actually about that. Like he wouldn't have actually forced her to marry him. Right. In any situation, even though he's like, that's what he said. Like, I will basically force you to marry me if I complete these challenges. But instead he was saying, I'll say this and then like, you know, I'll let her go. And I can see that too. I, I think I just, I think when reading it, I got hung up on that fact. Right. And it was like, you know, kind of like a nail into the wall of like my brain could not change that fact and so I think it inhibited me from enjoying it afterwards once I figured out why he had come do you know what I mean like yeah I was fine up until he was like yeah I just kind of tricked you and just said that so I could keep moving forward and I was just like I'm gonna hold on hold on and um and so that was that was a little rough for me um but I'm I'm glad he turned out being a good guy I also think I would have much preferred more of the family than we got. They were cool. His family. Also, I totally called that he had a sister, but I did not. She didn't come. That sucked. But <laughs> I I liked his family. I thought they were pretty cool. You know, I think the whole thing with the uncle bad guy was just kind of a little cliche of like, eh, he wants absolute power. Okay. But that makes sense. Um, those demons are creepy. There's, well, that was the thing about the bad guy for me is like, yeah, it's a pretty cliche connection to Declan. Yeah. But, like, he was fucked up. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't even, like, I want absolute power, and therefore I'm, like, gonna kill you and take your land. He was like, I'm eating people now. It's gross. And he was drinking the blood of those hounds, no, and he turned into, he was basically, like, turning into one. And it was nasty. I mean, there's some seriously descriptive, creepy shit in this book. Yeah, there really, really is. Like, kudos to the writing. And, you know, I listened to it and I read it. I kept going back and forth and having, because <laughs> knowing me, I, I kind of skip through that sometimes. When you're and, reading. When I'm reading it and having to, like, listen to this dial, to this description of this nasty ass creature. Ugh. Oh god, it was creepy. I couldn't I couldn't think of what it reminded me of. I kept picturing a thing from a movie of my childhood and I couldn't remember. I was like, there is something here. It always reminds me I don't of remember. the kind of reminds me of at least the like way they ambulate the werewolf in the third Harry Potter movie, like when Remus becomes a werewolf and he's like all like lanky but also like a wolf dog. Yeah. And he's like pat his doesn't really have fur. It's like patchy and weird and yeah. it looks like he's got mange that's what it reminds me of but then like grosser yeah so anyway I'm making all the faces right now <laughs> those things are nasty as fuck yeah it was really descriptive and well done in terms of writing um i think also in terms of plot and like continuing the action and i kind of love how they all ended up barring up in the church and rose just finally was like i'm gonna flash my fucking way out of this and you know it was it was it was it was good. It just like I said, I think I was just I kept getting disappointed of like, oh okay. Oh okay. 
I can't, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting more of. And I think, like I said, I got really hung up on the fact that I didn't like Declan and it just felt. Right, you didn't fall in love with him and no. therefore it made it really hard for you to enjoy the rest of the book. Yeah. Also, he's not my type. And I talked about that a lot in the beginning. Like, yeah. I am not one for these burly Thor looking protective soldier men. I'm not. And it it it's hard for me, I think, to kind of swoon over them in the way that like, oh, my God, they kept talking about his body. And I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, look at that man. And then like when he comes and rips the the he blows the hole in the roof after yeah. saving the one family and like all the women are looking at him and the, the grandmother even mentions it. And I just am like, I don't understand. And, and it's just it's just because that's not my type. And that's not even like in the historical romance novels I read. They're all like taller brunettes at least you know but they're not like this muscular thor man with even the long hair and i just am like nah, i'm not that's not my thing so i think it just kind of unfortunately it altered the book for me yeah in terms of setting creativity it, if it maybe if it wasn't a romance i would have liked it more does that make sense like maybe yeah. if it was just an urban fantasy which i think it is ex- like it's 50-50 for me. Like, I feel like yeah. there's a lot of that book that has nothing to do with their relationship. I agree. So it's it's a big, it's heavy on the urban fantasy for a romance, and it's mm-hmm. heavy on the romance for an urban fantasy. Yeah, I can see that. So, like, I feel like you could pick your camp, and then it's, like, a romantic urban fantasy, or it's a urban fantasy romance. Yeah, we only got one sex scene, too. Yep, there's a single sex scene. There's a couple kinda, of scenes where they kiss. Yeah, kind of disappointed in that one. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Oh man. Yeah, I. There wasn't like even any buildup, you know, because like again, in some historical romances you read, they like go around the bases, and take a stop <laughs> before yeah. hitting a home run, and this one was just like, nope, we're animals. Go. Well, I think it was like we're literally never gonna have privacy again. This is true. And they were like, it's an empty house. Do it. I loved how he was like, we need a barn or a shed. <laughs> yeah, or a garage. Yes. And she was like, why? Was that like, was funny. And then he was like, this is not how this was supposed to go. Yeah, that part's always so funny. I feel like every time people have sex in a romance novel, they're always like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, they like have some fucking speech that's like, I can't be with you. This was wrong. Or like, it was supposed to be this way, not this way. And you're like, well, it wasn't that way. So, like, let's calm down. Obviously, you all were fine and everybody was satisfied and we're okay. Yeah, like, nobody needs you to bloviate about how you really wish it was more romantic. Yeah, no, I don't think y'all had hit romantic at that point. But, yeah, I think that this... I actually didn't remember specifically, like, how much sex was in this book, but it was surprisingly little. Yeah, it's a little mild. That's why I said that, like, to me, it's more of, like an urban fantasy but because it's romantic you're right i don't know it's such yeah. a yeah and it does have a happy ever after yeah at least for now mm-hmm. um so like it can totally be in the romance category but it, yeah yeah i don't know do you want to talk about your prediction sure we have to <laughs> okay part of what we do okay might as fucking well so we ask a few questions here on Novel Predictions. Kale's answered them about this book. They were overwhelmingly wrong. Yep. So bad. <laughs> they, a few of them are like borderline right. Yeah, no. Um, it's okay. I can get a solid F on this one. D minus. <laughs> it's fine. I kept reading it and I was just like, nope. I really, nope. I really do think our predictions color our perception of the books. I completely agree that they do, but it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. That's part of this experiment. It is. It is. It's part of what we do. And we love each other enough to not hate each other afterwards. Yeah, to not so be like, fine. you tortured me. I hate you so much. Yeah, no. It's all good. Speaking of books, just aside, really quick aside, speaking of books that we completely and totally disagree on. Oh. Uh, the Magicians. Yeah, what now? My, I had, a co- I had a coworker who I saw reading that book, and she's a very, very, very opinionated reviewer, like way worse than you. Like, she is brutal. Uh-oh. And so, but but she and I sometimes have, have very different tastes. And so I asked her, I was like, she had just started when I told her, I was like, I'm so excited to see how you review this book. Because I told her, I was like, I hate it. But Kaylee loves it. Like, I'm so excited to see what you say. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> she fucking hated it. God damn it. She hated it. And her God whole thing, 
Like, I'm going to send you the review. Her whole thing was exactly how I feel. And that's fine. I want to read it. So this is... So I'm just putting that out there to show that this is not an unprecedented uh, thing where we did not like the book or we liked the book differently. Oh, yeah. No, that I think The Magicians is like how this podcast was born. Yeah. I know that sounds silly, but it's like we do have so many things that we read that are similar and that we love and that like, you know, because you think about books that you have given me, like Solas pretty much started my love of anything romance. Yeah. And... And that's been a real success. And I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there's books that I've given you that you've liked. And <laughs> no, there definitely have been books that you've like forced me to read. I'm trying yeah. to think of them. Well, and you got me back on a Tamora Pierce kick. And, yeah. you know, and so there's like, there's balance. But then there's books like The Magicians where we're we'll, just like, we will never see we'll, eye we'll eye. never see eye to eye. And so I think you're right that our predictions do cloud this. But I think that's why this still works. Yeah. Because... We have enough differences and enough similarities to where, like, I can understand why you like this book. And, like, I can totally appreciate, you know, where this comes from and how cool this world is and how, you know, but, like, two big factors of the fact that I was not attracted to Declan and it's a romance, that's a little difficult. And the fact that, like, I invested in different characters than the ones that were featured totally makes sense as to why this is not my favorite. Also, that's your whole M.O., is investing in side characters. I fucking love side characters. <laughs> Kales is one of those people that would have written like Neville Longbottom. Yeah. Fan fiction from Neville Longbottom's perspective. Yeah. I yeah, that's 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 what I would do. Okay, let's do it. Anyway. Questions. Question time. No. Yes. Okay, fine. Okay. The first question we ask is does the main character fall in love? Kales said. Yes, I am convinced that Declan and Rose are going to fall in love. Ding, 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 resounding, yes. Yes, of course, Declan and Rose. And you did say it was a slow burn, which is correct. Yes. It is slow burn. They don't, like, get physically together until the last fifth of the book. It's very late. Yeah, and she doesn't even realize she has feelings for him until later in the book, too. Yeah, she's when, definitely, Until he helps Georgie, I think. She's, like, fighting the physical attraction um, for a lot longer than that, but I think that she finally kind of gives in to the idea that she might actually like this person. Yeah. Yeah, later in the book. Absolutely. Um, and Kales doesn't like Declan, which is fine. I can see it. He's, like... I just... He's not my type. I'm sorry. No, he's not. It's He's not your type, and also he's just kind of, like, basic... Yeah. He also is a basic character, in my opinion. Like, yeah. he fits a soldier stereotype very heavily. Yeah. Like, Rose was even, even though I didn't, I still was not her biggest fan. I love how loyal she is to her family and how much she loves them and how strong she is. But she just still is kind of like, we would not have hung out. Um, <laughs> I feel like she had more depth. He still didn't... <sighs> I feel like they tried to make him have depth with the um, Red Legion stuff, eh. but eh. but at the same time, I don't know. That's like a little bit of his life, not yeah. A large I just feel part like there it. was so much more to his story that we didn't get, and so it made him very flat for me. Yeah, which is totally fair. Um, okay, the next question was, what tropes do you think you'll see? Kale said, "Well, we've already got enemies to lovers. Instantaneously, that one is there. It is." prevalent it is what's going to drive this book remember nope you said enemies to lovers totally true okay cool um you said intermingling class classes yeah. so that's totally true like that that's a true. huge part of this book yeah um because he always bitches about at least at the beginning he bitches a lot about rose's like manners and she's vulgar and all this stuff um and then he has to kind of live in her world yeah he also literally has to pay to like be near her like she yeah she's like fuck you yeah you can either pay me if you want to stay in my house you have to pay me yeah exactly which is her life circumstances are much different she doesn't have the luxury to just have a border well and he lost her job yeah like it was his fault that she lost her job because he went after that guy and he didn't understand the politics of her world and didn't even ask didn't ask and punched some fucking guy in the face and that guy retaliated by making her lose her job yep exactly can we just talk about real quick the fact that that guy casually got eaten yep <laughs> that happened and she was like oh i'm kind of sad about this she's like that nobody deserves to be eaten i hate that guy but nobody deserves to be, to be eaten, eaten. And I was just like, oh that's how we got rid of this problem not by dogs not by dogs by demons that's fine no he got eaten by the guy that was the guy he ate oh that was the human right. flesh he tasted and then couldn't be <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be satisfied 
No, thank you. So gross. That is so gross. Yeah, like he just was like, let's just get rid of Rose's abusive, manipulative ex. Cool. After Declan beat him up outside of a Burger King. By eating him. Which is another thing that I loved also. I love and one of the things I love about urban fantasy is taking somewhere that's ordinary and doing something fun with it. Yeah. Like the Walmart, the Burger King, you know, those types of things. Um, Dresden Files does that like because he gives cross streets and stuff in Chicago. And it's just really cool to kind of reimagine an ordinary setting in that way because you can immediately put yourself there because it's something familiar but then you get to take it a step further and think of something more fantastical like Declan walking in in a baseball cap and a hoodie and like and all the women following him right (laughs) that was one of my favorite parts where Rose turns around and says have some decency ladies yes (laughs) I was like call them out on it that's always so funny yes yeah where he's like walking around in like a baseball cap like that's gonna disguise the fact that he's Chiseled and yeah, apparently the most handsome man in the universe. Yeah, I want to know what that looks like though, because like I've also always been interested in that. Of like, just again, my brain is like, wouldn't that be interesting if there was someone who was like a walking, talking amortensia, like they physically changed, like they never really had a solid form, but they physically changed. Like you looked at this person and saw what I was and saw what you were attracted to, right? But like that person. So it's not like Mystique or uh, the Chicken Vengeful. It, it's it's this idea of that, like, they don't have necessarily a solid form, but as they are seen by others. So, like, what they see in the mirror. I don't know. That just is interesting to me, too. And because cause just because that guy walks in, one, does she have no friends that are lesbians? <laughs> and two. No. No. And two, what? Wh- why is he the most attractive? Because he's blonde and fit and tall. You know, like, why is that? I don't know. Why does that automatically make all the women swoon? Because it it statistically wouldn't. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because, like, in the Avengers, there's a reason that, like, all the different men look different. Right. (laughs) You know? Because not everybody's attracted to Thor. I don't know. It's just... that. I don't know. That's interesting to me. There's an interesting character in the Kate Daniels series by Lana Andrews that he is a... He could, like manipulate his form and his like goal with kate so kate's the main character and he is able to make himself look like anything um so he always makes himself look like attractive to the person he's with because he can like read them yeah uh and he'll change genders like he'll however he can make it to manipulate people because he's not a great dude um but his whole thing with kate is he can't read her and so like every time she goes to see him he like puts on different faces and like nice to like test her reaction it's really interesting see and that that i think is cool but again like i said it, the the idea that i have of like this person's power would be that they can't control it it's right just it's like how an they are viewed yeah yeah i don't know it's interesting it'd be like a bogart but but attractiveness wise. yeah yeah mm-hmm Right. That's super interesting. I like it. Thank you. Write it. Okay. Um, <laughs> some other tropes that you said. You said crazy grandma. Which she's, she's not that crazy. She's not crazy. She's just kind of like the hippie eccentric. Yeah. I did like the part where she, and I think this is something you don't see a lot in romance novels, where at the end Rose is like, what should I do? And she's like, I'm about to tell you something you don't want to hear. Don't. Like yeah. he's not, like this is not going to work out. He ain't worth it. And I think that that's a really interesting thing in this book because- in romance novels, you're usually expected to, like, you're fully in love and invested. And she's not. Like, she's in love with him, but she's not convinced that this is the right well, choice. I think it also has to do with the fact that just because you love somebody doesn't mean you're meant to be with them. Right. You know what I mean? That there are a lot of other life factors. She has two little boys that are her wards she has to take care of. She's got money issues and she's not documented and she's about to go into in a world that she knows nothing about just because she loves this guy that's really hard she has responsibilities and other things to take care of and i think that the eleanor's impression of that is valid to mention you know yeah, it's no. like hey this dude's not worth changing this whole thing for you know if it was just her i think it'd be different but she has a responsibility to these young men and i don't know i think it's i think it's interesting that because y- you know, you have to want the same things that the person that you love wants to. It's not just about happy ever after, you know. Again, I'm watching Suits and one character and another just, like, got engaged super suddenly and then 
found out that they didn't want to move to the same places and then eventually found out they didn't want to have kids or one didn't want to have kids and the other one did. And so they broke it off. And I was like, why did you not talk about this beforehand? But, but, but that's my point. It's just, I think it was a really interesting moment in a romance novel. Yeah. I think it was a unique and like kind of powerful play on Eleanor's part, grandma's part. Um, The other thing was, you said the children would be super precocious and troublemakers, and that's totally true. Yep. Georgie and Jack are, like, my favorite in the whole fucking series. And they, <laughs> like, the, individually, too. Like, they have very distinct problems, very distinct mannerisms. I do, you mentioned loving the scene where Georgie, like, gets to play the simulator over and over again to see what would happen if he, if no one was allowed to die. Yeah, I don't love that scene. I love it from a writer's perspective because it hurts so good. Does that make sense? Right. Where it was able to show him the truth and it hurt him for sure, but like nobody else's like kindness or non-harsh stuff has helped him. And it wasn't like, I'm going to show this to you. Like, I don't know. It wasn't like a, like scaring him straight kind of thing, but it was a, I'm showing you that what you're doing what you're doing is killing you trying to save all these animals and things that you see bringing them back to life and that it's not going to help well and i think it was also a way for a child to learn that his actions have consequences right and i think that's a harder lesson probably for a child with extraordinary powers like that to learn you know because in a way it's like checking his privilege you know, just because you are privileged with this gift does not mean you have to use it in that way. Right. You have to find an alternate way to to utilize that that gift, that privilege that you've been given. Because if you don't use it correctly, you're going to fuck things up. Yeah. I don't know. I love both those kids. They are some of the most endearing characters. Yeah. And Jack is super, like... I love when, he, when we get his perspective. Yeah. And he's, like, all cat. <laughs> he's like sees a bird and gets it's really excited <laughs> and like it's holds perfectly still and the scene yeah with scene where he's trying to outsmart the trap with the knife he's like if i jump it won't be able to get me i love it so fun okay um the next question was is there a mentor kale said do i think declan might become a magic mentor to the boys yeah that was yes. my next question I do think that that's a very high possibility. I did get this one right. Yeah, you said no, but Declan might be a mentor for the boys. And I would 100% agree that he is. Yes, he totally mentors the boys. He helps he helps Georgie the most, I think. But then he also is a mentor for like how to fight and how to be moderate with Jack. I would argue that he is a mentor for both of them. I think we just don't get all of Jack's mentoring. Yeah, because it happens a lot off screen. I feel yeah. like because they like go off in the woods and like are tracking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the fact that two of the challenges that she set for him were based on the boys. Yep. Um, okay, who's going to die? Kale said. I think the grandma's going to die. You said grandma. Yeah. And you said William, and both of those are wrong. Bummer. Who did die? The the shitty boyfriend. I mean, I mean a bunch of other people died. Oh, but- the oh the boss didn't die. William. Cat kidnapped the boss, Emerson or something. Oh, oh, oh! Her but boss he didn't die. Yeah, yeah. He didn't a bunch die. of like extraneous people died. Yeah, there was a bunch of characters we knew barely for a couple pages that died just to show how brutal the which did an effective job, and that's fine by me. I'm really happy that the demons didn't kill anybody we cared about because I'm sure. Oh my god, that scene with Georgie and Grandma in the house, yes. and they're creeping up in the attic. Oh my god, I was like, why did I suddenly pop into a horror novel? No, thank you. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, Ugh. and then Georgie like almost kills himself trying to call Declan. <sighs> yeah, Georgie. See, this is why this book is so urban fantasy to me, because it has right. all these gritty See, moments. Just, I wish it was built that way. I wish it had a better cover. The cover. It's so bad. The cover is very bad. It's so bad. Next question was, what's the twist? Kale said. So what's going to happen is Dec- Rose is going to give Declan these three tasks. It Those three tasks are like the fun and games section of this story, where over the course of trying to complete these, he's going to, like, figure out a way to bring her on one of the quests. And they're slowly but surely figure out that there's more to the other than they originally thought. And feelings or something start to develop. Something's going to happen in the third task 
that is going to cause them to fight. And Declan, in his feelings for her, is going to leave and sort of, like, relinquish her of this contract. Okay. And... Like, I love you, so this is not worth it. Like, Like, Beauty and the Beast type of thing. Like, you know, he had her in the castle the whole time. He, like, had this relationship on lock. And when he he realized that, like, she deserves more than that and she should choose what to do, he, like, releases her Mm -hmm. of that and lets her go. I think she – I think that she misinterprets something and, like, thinks he betrayed her in some way or he – did something so she gets like really super pissed at him and is like you better fucking leave I'm never gonna do this I will kill you type thing and he's just like you know what actually I love you I've tried to tell you but I'm gonna leave (laughs) (laughs) wrong yeah wrong 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 and wrong again what did I say you said Kale's that monsters are the monsters are being sent by another family so you were very much more invested in the politics of this edge Yeah. yeah but they were not no. I mean, technically, they were being sent by Declan's family. No. I totally put way more investment, like Rose did, in that Declan was coming to marry her. I put way more investment in that. And to be fair, with the evidence that I was given, the information that I was given, that was a valid guess, but it was way wrong. It was so not correct. Um but what's funny is I don't know if I would have preferred that. I really just wanted a better reason for Declan to do the challenges thing was really what I wanted. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And I, think dude. I think the twist... I think a bigger twist was that William was a shift changer. I think William was the biggest twist because yeah. we knew that some fucking evil shit was going on. Right. Like, I think William being a part of that world... Which I knew he was. I said he was evil, but I knew he was a part of the world. I think William being a part of it and the way in which he was a part of it and his relation to Declan right. was the biggest twist out of the out of the whole fucking thing. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, because like you could kind of see it coming, but it was also the most like effective shift in the book. And like when Rose is staring at him across like the, the clearing or something and um, waiting for the wig or whatever, like f- figuring out then that he wasn't evil and he wasn't working for the bad guy, I think was a good moment. Yeah. I am glad that he wasn't working for the bad guy. Me too. And she was, he was just kind of like independently also going after him. Yeah. Which I think is made it more believable and interesting when their paths aligned and, you know, I think made for an interesting story ish between him and Declan. At least a little bit more interesting than, like, a straight-up betrayal. Right. Because really what it was is Declan sacrificed his entire career to save William's life. Yep. And then... William didn't take it that way. Yeah. William was like... You should have let me die. He, yeah. He was like, you either should have let me die or you should have fucking actually got, made me, gotten me free. Not yeah. this between bullshit deal where I was adopted by your uncle. Which is very weird because I feel like we just didn't see why yeah they say um he adopted me because he's like power hungry and i'm powerful or whatever but then he didn't use him for anything yeah it was kind of a again more of a backstory that we didn't get everybody else was fleshed out except them um (laughs) how worse does it get how bad does it get there's only a couple more okay so why is the story from the main character's perspective slash why are they important kale said but i think that she again is special somehow more than just the fact that she can flash white, but this idea that she is like the last one with this level of power that can actually produce an heir or can, you know, combine with his magic to defeat something. You know what I mean? There's some reason that it's her and mm-hmm. I think it has to do with her power. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. This was bad. Yeah, you said she was a chosen one slash nope. she had unknown power. Nope. She had distinctly known power. Yep. Which is why she was singled out by the edgers before but more than anything it was just coincidence right it was just coincidence and you know even her quick study was more of a result of her hard-working nature than any sort of like secret power thing yeah and they do never explain because they always they say in the book at least everyone else says that only blue blood slash white. Which I'm not going to lie. I was really pissed off that we never got an explanation. I think I did say that we weren't going to get one, but I'm still mad I didn't get one. 
Yeah, it is. Especially strange. now that it's this way. Like, especially now that like she wasn't special. And I was like, okay, somebody gonna explain to me why she could do that yeah, or where why that, that legend's in place? New. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to assume that she just practiced so much that she got really good, but Wait. I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like it's you have the inherent power like level and then you can practice to be really precise. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. But the power level is the thing that everyone was wigging out about. Yeah, I don't... That's a little bit weird. Yeah, that's a hole in the world building, in my opinion. Yeah, so these are reasons it's four stars and not five stars for me. This is probably reasons why it's two and not three for me. Yeah. Okay, last one. (laughs) Was your other thoughts or what other stories does this remind you of? Yeah. Yeah, it's ended up being almost like nothing I've ever read. And I just say that more of like because of the world. And the fact that they were able to combine this in-between world, the classism, the romance, the urban fantasy, and the family unit in a way that I really haven't seen. Honestly. Which is something in its favor. Yeah. Dresden Files, which I think is the closest assimilation. Yes. Yes, But the Dresden Files, I think, is much more of an epic. And it is a little bit... (sighs) it's It's way more urban fantasy mystery than any sort of romance you don't even get a sex scene until book five see i have tried so hard to love the dresden files and i think i'm over it and I, that's okay I have, i'm not gonna make you read it i have read three you read three you read grave peril uh-huh see grave peril is one of my favorites because i love ghosts i have a stupid obsession with ghosts in books maybe i only i might have dnf'd it did you i think i got so the first part of the way through first one's vampires second one's werewolves yeah. third one's ghosts Fourth one's fairies. Fifth one is where you finally get some shit going. He, like, has to establish each corner so of the world. Much. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you have to think of it as instead of, like, you have to think of it as, like, a mystery series, really. Because that's what he is, is he's a wizard detective before anything else. Yeah, but I like mysteries. I know. So I don't know why you don't like it, but. I don't yeah. like Dresden. Oh, that's why. Oh. <laughs> if you don't like Dresden, don't read the rest of the I'm series. I'm like, you he are only gets worse. and wor- terrible. Like, I was reading Grave Peril. And he did some shit. He's, like, dating somebody in Grave Peril. Yeah. Um, and I forget who it is, but he's dating somebody, and he does. He says some shit about her or to her that I'm just like, um, no thank you. Like, Yeah. If you don't like Dresden during the rest of the series, he just gets worse. He just becomes more of an asshole. And then he gets a daughter somewhere in the middle of it all, and then he dies and comes back as a ghost. Like, it's a thing. It is, like, a fucking soap opera. And if you don't like him, no wonder you're not going to... Yeah, I'm never going to make you read it. So. It's the character. Yeah, which is... He's the whole reason that anybody like... You either like him or you don't. Yeah. And if you like him, you can read the rest of the series. And if not, then don't bother. So overall, like, I understand why this book is interesting and good. I mean, it maybe like, it deserves more of a three-star, but it's just hard for me... Well, you didn't like Declan. I just didn't like Declan. And if, like, you don't like one of the romantic interests in a romance, it's not going to hit home for you. No, it's not. It's not because you can't invest in their relationship, which is the whole point in reading a romance novel. Like I just read this other one about this baseball. It was baseball themed and I couldn't get into it. I finished it because I was the whole time I was hoping that somebody got better. And again, I was in love with the side characters. Yeah. But I hated the main guy. I was like, you're a fucktard. Nobody likes. And she was librarian and it was like seemed perfect. But for me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She was librarian. He was a baseball player, like small town, Iowa. Super cute. Right. But no, he was a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, nobody likes you. And then he ended up proposing to her like in the middle of Wrigley Field. And I was like, oh, let's let's look at your privilege here now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Whenever I have romance, I will literally just DNF romance novels when I don't like the hero or the hero. Yeah. Very, very rarely is it the heroine that I dislike. This is true. But sometimes the hero is like too weird. Or like I was reading this one book and it was, I forget, it was like a shifter romance, but it was like a CEO type hero and then like a his assistant type. Like he like hired her to save her because like other werewolves were coming after her or some shit. And then it was very like possessive and controlling. And I was just like, oh, I'm out. Like get Gives me the heebie-jeebies. I can't do possessive and controlling. The minute that anybody, like, owns a woman... Like, there was one that I started off when it was, like, their whole... This, like, secret society of men, like, their whole thing was to, like, trick women into loving them. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. Like, ten pages in. I was like, I don't even care. Yeah, fuck no. I don't care if you have, a like, a change of heart or shit. I'm not gonna start off this way. Not gonna happen, so... Well, and I have... I've had books 
that I have loved, but like in that book, like in the throes of passion or whatever, like a man will say there was a, there's like a man who's saying like, like she's mine or like, like, like that's fine. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like some weird possessive phrase. And I'm like, Oh, I even struggle with she's mine. I struggle when it's like, I own you or I wanted to claim her claim is a really hard one. Claim is weird. Claim is hard, but, um, Man, maybe we do need a second romance podcast. Anyway, <laughs> um, but this book I'm about to have you read for the month oh. of June is not a romance. Okay. Not based. There's a sideline. Okay. Give me some more clues. You're not going to know this book. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, what's the genre, though? Historical fiction. Histor- like historical fiction? Histor- like adult historical fiction? Yep. Like World War II adult historical oh, fiction. Oh, my God. It's World War II? Yep. I definitely won't know it. No, I know you won't know it. Um, and get this, it's actually written by the showrunner of Game of Thrones. Okay. Well, I, Kales has never watched Game of Thrones and I have watched all of Game of Thrones. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I picked this in celebration of the end of Game of Thrones, uh, City of Thieves by David Benedict. I've seen this cover. This is one of my favorite books of all time. Really? I, I do. I love this book. And it's written by the showrunner. Look at his little face. He's so young in this picture. I know. It's written by the showrunner of Game of Thrones. I see him at the end of every episode on of Game of Thrones. I know. And it's not it's not anything that you would expect out of him. Oh, man. Nazis and I do not get along. I do not know how this is going to go. But it's not Nazis the whole time. Okay. I promise. Okay. It's set in Russia. And um, the plot line is these two gentlemen get arrested by the Nazis in Leningrad, and in order to save their lives, they are sent after to find two dozen eggs for the chief of police's daughter's wedding cake. Oh, I feel like you have mentioned this book to me before. Well, join us next month when we read City of Thieves. If you're a big historical fiction buff, that's like the first time that's ever, maybe only time this is ever going to happen for you. So yeah, so join us then. Um, it's super short. I picked it because both of us have really busy Junes and Very it's fast paced. In my opinion, it could easily be a movie. And like a lot of the times I wonder why he didn't write it as a screenplay because it's so fast. So I hope you enjoy it. Allison, I didn't pick it to torture you, I promise. (laughs) But I did. It made me think of it because Game of Thrones ended. And I was like, oh, we should do David Benioff's book because it's so fucking short. Well, we I'm nervous. I'm more nervous than excited. But hopefully we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Keep making novel predictions. Bye. Bye.